We're glad you're joining us here at Common Thread Online. This is a recording of our community gathering as we do each week to think together about the spiritual journey. At the end of the lesson, we open the floor for discussion, but we'd love to hear what you're thinking as well. On our website are directions to download our app. Once you have it, join the group. What are you thinking? We'd love to connect with you there. So in the early years of our community, we were about 60 adults um, in entirety. And about that time, a guy showed up, Big Jim. We did not call him Big Jim. He was just big. And he was probably six foot five, and he was probably half as wide as he was tall. And he was a big man, and he had a big voice, and he has a big presence. And it is hard to believe it was almost 15 years ago that he died, because in a moment you're going to hear how precious he became to me, how precious he became to our community. But before you can hear that part, you have to know that Jim had a knack for pissing people off. He was very good at it. And with only 60 in the community, probably 40 in attendance on most Sundays, he, uh, there, there was not a lot of room to dilute a gym. <laughs> and so he would just say things. He would say things you just don't say when you're around groups of other human beings. He would say socially inappropriate things, hurt people's feelings kinds of things, inappropriate comments about people's weight kinds of things, how people dressed, uh, how they looked, some feature or some appearance or some part of their personality that clearly they didn't like. And he would talk about it and he would do so loudly. Now, after Jim died, uh, his wife told me that his family had long suspected Asperger's, which would have been really nice to know, but we did not know. We just knew Jim pissed people off. And once he had started pissing them off just a little bit, it kind of became a self-perpetuating process. Once he tried to give a gift to our children's team as a way of appreciating them. And I, re- I don't remember what the gift was, but I remember it was expensive. I remember he spent a lot of money to do this thing, to say thank you because you've been faithfully serving our children. And by the time that he had finished giving it to them, they were so pissed off. They just <laughs> <laughs> so <clears throat> about every Sunday, somebody would say to me, Doug, you're the minister. <laughs> Doug, if this church is going to live up to whatever this promise is, you have got to muzzle this guy. And because... Jim was difficult. I'd hear that on a lot of Sundays. A lot of hurt feelings, a lot of ruffled feathers, lots of anger. Preacher man, you've got to make this thing stop. So Mondays have always been my day off. So on a lot of Mondays, I would be mulling over the day previous, and I would be uh, listening for the interior voice. What am I going to do about this thing that seems to be kind of an issue, that kind of mulling? And every time, not a single exception, Every time kids would go off to school, it would start to get quiet in the house. I'd start to get a little bit quiet in my mind, and there would be this small interior voice. Nope, do not muzzle him. Nope, do not correct him. Befriend him. Befriend him, and then a week later, befriend him. And the week after that, befriend him. Which seemed to me a pretty good way to sink a church that was just getting started. But I did that. I befriended Jim. 
and over time, he became very dear to me. Every time I saw him in church, I would go sit beside him and I would bang him on his knee. It was a big knee, so I felt like I needed to bang it hard and tell him that I liked him, which was weird because I had actually started to like him. We started having coffee together, and over time, we became friends. And his wisdom redirected my life more than once. Jim is where I started using the phrase, he may be a jerk, there's no hiding that, but he is my jerk. That started with Jim. He does outlandish things, he does. He says outlandish things, he does. But I've gotten to know him, and I know he's not trying to be a jerk. He's actually a good guy, and yes, I know he could be a jerk, but he's my jerk. Which is all well and good, except <laughs> at that time he wasn't anybody else's jerk, he was just mine. <laughs> so I started doing a thing. I started translating out loud in public for Jim. Like he spoke a foreign language and I knew it. <laughs> So he would say some jackass, oh my God thing. And remember, he had a big voice. So he would say it all the way across the room. And I would hear it. And I would hear that big booming voice. And I would make a beeline and stand right beside him. And I would say, now well, hold on just a moment. Let me tell you what Jim means. <laughs> and then I would begin to say things that I knew he was thinking. And I could say what he meant because he had become my jerk. And I did know what was going on inside him. And after I would say that, he would look at me puzzled like, is that what I just said? <laughs> and I would say, no, Jim, that was not at all what you just said. But that process, and then add some time, and folks in our community started to realize, oh, I guess there's something about our community. We don't get all reactionary here toward jerks community started to think over time, ah, maybe there's more going on with Jim than the outlandish. And eventually, people started to listen behind Jim's outrageous words, and they started seeing beyond the outrageous things that he would do. And it took a couple of years, but after a while, Jim, still a jerk, became our community's jerk. And when that happened, once Jim got the sense that he was ours, maybe for the first time, because you got to know if he's doing that here, he's doing that other places in his life. And he had been. I heard his stories. He'd been rejected for a long, long time. But once Jim got the sense that he belonged, without him really trying to, Jim changed. Jim transformed. Because it turns out that love and grace and mercy are technologies of transformation. It turns out that love and grace and mercy transformed Jim. He got less outrageous, and he got more wise. Now, truth to be told, he'd always been wise, but nobody could see the wise past the outrageous. We also discovered what we hadn't known, that Jim was extraordinarily generous. Jim was our in it together fund for years and years and years. He had done well in his career. He had worked in a room alone, I think, worked on code for computer stuff, and he'd had financial resource. 
And so when folks in the community had financial troubles, Jim helped with thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars over the years. Jim transformed. Love and grace and mercy transformed Jim. Love and grace and mercy are technologies of transformation. But that's not even the main point of the story. The main point of the story isn't what happened to Jim. The main point of the story is how love and grace and mercy transformed our whole community. If you have experienced grace here, maybe you showed up here with some big secret sin, something you just knew was a disqualifier. Maybe you didn't believe the right things or maybe you didn't say the right things or maybe you haven't been to the right things or maybe you had done the wrong things and you'd done them in a really spectacular way. You just knew this thing was going to disqualify you and then you didn't get disqualified here, which I pray happens to every one of us. If you've experienced that here, or if you've experienced that we have not been all that concerned trying to get everybody straightened out and flying right, everybody doing the right things, saying the right things, acting the right way, if, we, if you have seen us here trusting that the inner light will do a fine job of that, we don't have to impose that on one another. We had those ideas before Jim, but after Jim, it was in our guts. We knew that that was a thing. It was in us, it was our culture, it had become our way. We learned grace, we learned to see beyond one another's jerkitude. <laughs> and here's the thing, once we learned that with Jim, that's when the magic actually began to happen. Because once you inhabit a reality, once you internalize a reality, once you experience at a very visceral, deep level a reality, and if you experience, if you internalize that love and grace and mercy for someone else is a transformative technology, someone that most of the time, most of the places they go get rejected, it starts to seep into us. Ah, maybe love and maybe grace and maybe mercy are for me too, for my family, for my people. And that happened to us. And that happened inside of us. When Jim died, we wept and wept and wept together because he'd become very precious to us. That's true, but also because we knew that our worlds had expanded by learning to love Jim. We knew that our worlds had expanded by being loved by Jim. We unearthed treasures in Jim that we wouldn't have otherwise. We unearthed treasures in ourselves and in one another that we no, would not have otherwise. <coughs> Story number one. Story number two. I don't remember how it came up in conversation last Monday, but I was picking up my grandsons from school, and I found myself putting into first grade and third grade language the content of this book. It is the reported results of a 100-year longitudinal study on health and well-being that started at Harvard University 100 years ago, but the study's still going on. It's starting into its second 100 years, and they plan to be here in perpetuity. It's a study on human health and well-being. And here's the language that I used with my grandsons. Three things that you can do that are the best things you can possibly do for your health and well-being. Eat healthy foods, uh, move your body a lot, and give lots of attention to building healthy relationships. Now, 
I just save you 11 hours and nine minutes of audiobook. <laughs> Eat healthy foods, move a lot, and give lots of attention to building healthy relationships. The difference between what I just said and that book is they've got all the data to support the, those pr the premise. So, third one, lots of time, lots of energy, lots of focus, lots of attention, making our relationships healthy. Build each concentric circle of relationship that we have in our lives, build that circle well. Build your most intimate circle well, your family or those you consider to be family. Build it healthy, build it well. Your dear circle, the next circle out, what we here in the community would call spiritual friendships, your cherished circle, social friendships, co-workers, neighbors, those, your next circle after that, those outside of even that circle, acquaintances, each one of those circles. Build it well. Build it healthy. Discover best practices, then apply those best practices. Build steadily the health and well-being in each one of the concentric circles of relationship in your life. And it turns out if we do that, that is one of the most fundamental technologies of transformation. Now, to do that, to build concentric circles of healthy relationship into our lives, here's what the tradition tells us. Draw from what we have called the fruit of the indwelling spirit. Or you could use another word, just draw from the wellspring of virtue that we carry within. Draw from the love that we carry within us. It's in each one of us because the inner light is in each one of us. Draw from that to build these healthy concentric circles. Draw from joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness. Draw from self-control. Draw from the virtues that indwell us because the light is in us. Draw from them to build health and well-being into each concentric circle of relationship. Do that, and we create an environment for ourselves and for those in those circles in which transformation happens. We change. We are transformed when we are in circles of healthy relationship. So we build health by building connection. And when we build those things well, we change. We set a priority. We make the time for that priority. We say no to one thing so that we can say yes to developing healthy relationships. And then we learn how. We either read books or we listen to podcasts or we do Google searches. What are the things that make for healthy relationships? What are the best practices? And then we begin to internalize those, integrate them into our days so we do them. We do that. We create the transformative environment and then we experience transformation. Strong, interdependent, connected bonds. Do that. We begin to regulate stress chemicals, a source of so much illness that is going on in our modern world. Do that, we mitigate loneliness and social isolation that is reaching epidemic proportions in our society. Do that, and we improve our immune functions and our cardiovascular health. Uh, we benefit from cooperation and reciprocity. We give to and we are given to in turn. 
do that. And when we need to talk something out, there's a space in which we are able to talk something out. We create listening environments where we can hear ourselves. And when we live in a non-fixing, loving feedback context, we are able to hear our own voices tell us what's going on inside and stand back and assess it. That builds broader perspective, which builds resilience, which helps us see our blind spots, which helps us gain perspectives that are drawn from other people who have other experiences, other perspectives, and other uh, belief systems. We transform. We can experience what our community experienced with Jim in healthy circles of relationship. Empathy, trust, mercy, grace, these happen in healthy circles of relationship. So, we ought to do that, don't you think? <laughs> you might not have ever heard that that's a good idea. This might be brand new material for you. No, I don't think so. So we know this to be true, but still one of the primary issues that we face in our society is not having those healthy circles. So I want to encourage you to remember my story from last week. It is one thing to see the light. It is one thing to have an epiphany, to know something is true, and to know that it is true for me, and to know that it is true for now. And it is quite another thing to carve out more of the shit out of the shit brick that our, is our soul. If you were not here last week, that makes sense. <laughs> But instead, what most often we do is we mount a response to an insight that I called last week determination. Well, here's what we saw last week. Determination is not a technology of transformation. It's a good thing. It's a helpful thing. It does help us move from here to here to here, but it doesn't transform us. Like all of the tools of transformation that we're going to explore in this lesson, Building healthier relationships into our lives means we do a small thing, only a small thing. We do not do a big thing, we do a small thing. But then we do that small thing again and again and again and again and again and again and again. Let's say, for example, you have an internal moment. Ah, this is for me. This one is for now. This is a thing that I should do. I could build healthier relationships if I did this thing. Maybe if I was less critical, or maybe if I was less negative, or maybe if I was less toxically optimistic, if I was un uh, less unrealistic about the hard things that really are going on. Whatever the thing is, here comes the interior nudge, the interior quiet voice. Maybe uh, if I would just be less passive-aggressive, or maybe if I would be less aggressive-aggressive, or maybe there are a hundred things that I could hear the tiny nudge about that are hindering the health and well-being of my circles of relationships. So let's just say, comes the inner nudge, then what? What happens after that? After the quiet listening, after the interior prompt, after the inner nudge, then what? So remember me saying last week, I bet you can hear in the wings tiny habits saying, ooh, 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 I can help, I can help, I can help. All right, tiny habits, now's the time to help. 
By the way, if you have not read or listened to this book, I hope you will. By the way, if you would like to start a book club with this book, I will help you get started. I will help you figure out how to do it. So here's the thing. Once you get an interior ping that says, this is for you, this is for now, now this is what you do. I'm going to show you an item from my to-do list that has nothing to do with building healthy relationships. This is about being physically healthy until I die. So I hope you will understand this isn't about physical health. I hope you understand that the same process applies when we are implementing a technology for physical well-being as much as for relational well-being. So this represents three years of work on transformation. <laughs> it's how uh, I have integrated well-being practices in a tiny way over three damn years. It takes so long. You will notice that there are six things in the to check list. For a long, long time, there was only one. <laughs> the first one, push up and stretch every time I pee. That was the, f the one that was there. All the others, most of those were in the later section for all of those three years. After three or four months of just one in the check now, how are we doing section, another one moved up. Drink water. Now there was push-ups and drink water. And it just kept going that way until last week, the last one that's on the on list just moved up. Uh, balance on one leg while I am brushing my teeth. Because, you know, it turns out you get old, balance is an issue, and uh, <laughs> that is a hoot. You ought to watch me brushing my teeth in the morning. It's a thing. <laughs> so anyway, it turns out that you can't go much faster than that. Uh, for uh, Here's how it would go. For most of the three years, most of the time, I would be checking this thing on a recurring basis, asking... Uh, are those things happening without me thinking about them? And the answer was always no. They are not happening without me thinking about them. But after a while, it became a thing. When, I, when we moved over here, you know, we haven't been here three years. I used to work only on my uh, little desk at home. Every time I'd go into the bathroom to pee, I would just do one push-up on the, the bathtub edge right there. And then I would try on the days when I could. I would do 10, but uh, you know, most of the time I do 10, and I don't think about it, but I'm only committed to doing one. I just do one, but I do it every time, every time, every time, every time. After a while, it was weird if I didn't do that. So then... Started with the water. I don't particularly like drinking water, so I have my daily jug, and I would say, here's the thing, I gotta drink this daily jug before I have a single meal. Before I eat anything, gotta drink the whole jug. And I wouldn't do it, I wouldn't do it, I wouldn't do it, but I'd have the reminders everywhere, and then eventually I'd do it, and then one in turn after another after another, one tiny thing would happen again and again and again, eventually more things would move up until there was everything on the list that is there now. And every time I would move a thing up, I would tell somebody, I would tell three or four somebodies. I would say, hey, I'm doing this thing. 
And I would tell that because I needed my brain to hear it coming out of my mouth because it turns out that's a reinforcing thing. And then a few of these people, I would ask them if they would ask me in a little while if I was doing it. Also, I would set reminders everywhere that I could think of. When I was doing the push-up one, I would put a sticky note right up above the toilet. And uh, then uh, after I stopped seeing that, became blind to it, then I'd use my phone or use my watch. And then if I'd use my watch, I'd use my phone. Some kind of remi everywhere I could think of, I put reminders. Then I created this check-in list to be checking on how I'm doing uh, because it comes up every 14 days because I realized if I put it up every seven days, I'd just start clicking by and ignoring it. If I did it uh, less frequently than 14 days, there were things that I could have been fixing earlier than I got to them. So usually it worked out about every three or four months, I would be able to do a new thing because the things before it were happening now without me even thinking about them. Yoga and meditation came up because, you know, emotional regulation. Walnuts came up because I don't particularly like fish and I need to have omega-3s, so I eat five walnuts a day. Don't even like walnuts, but I don't despise them as much as I despise <laughs> fish. So <laughs> <coughs> <laughs> Now again, today is not about health and well-being. It is about building relational health into our lives, but again, same principles apply. Determination is good. It gets the ball rolling, but it does not create transformation. Habit creates transformation. We start with one stupid push-up. Most of the time, ten, but we're only committed to one. And again, reminders everywhere we can think of. And again, a plan for when we stop. Because here's the thing, you will stop. We just do. And we will stop for no good reason. We will stop for this grand reason. I don't feel like it. <laughs> we will stop. I recently noticed that I just stopped drinking water. Uh, what do we do now? So the reminder comes up to say, when we stop, we have got to have a plan in place because it's going to happen. We're going to just stop for no good reason. When it does, we normalize that. And we say, oh yeah, here it is, a stop. Just like I knew was going to happen, sure enough, it happened. And our plan for when we stop is we decide when it does happen, what we don't do is let all of those negative feelings. Uh, it seems like it's getting hot in here. Does it seem hot to you? Yeah. All those negative feelings that come up, shame, disappointment in ourselves, uh, embarrassment, recrimination, why don't I do better? All those negative feelings, we don't like those. So what we tend to do is avoid them. And the way that we avoid them is we don't think about the thing that we just stopped. We just let it stop and don't give it any focus or attention. But if we decide instead, when we notice that we have stopped, we're just going to get up again, brush ourselves off, and go again. We're not going to turn away so that we don't have to look at all those bad feelings. We're going to decide in advance. When I do, stop, because that just happens. We're going to stop. I'm going to start over. I'm going to get back up, and I'm going to start implementing this technology of transformation back into my lives. Do that. Three years later, we're doing six things without thinking about them. They're integrated into our lives. So imagine this was not a healthy uh, body list, but a healthy relationship list. I generated this list in about five minutes doing a Google search. 
you don't need to take a picture of it. You can just go Google it and it'll be, <laughs> you will find this in three minutes. <laughs> Here's how it could go. We could expose ourselves to ideas about how people build healthy relationships. You could do that with a book. You could do it with a podcast. You could read some blogs. Google is our friend. And in being exposed to these ways of thinking about healthy best practices, as we're going through them, every once in a while we'll get a little ping inside. Ah, that, that's for me, that's for now. And when we get that little ping, we write it down. What we do is we start a list. And then maybe onto that list, you'll put listening. You know what, I need to be a better listener. Or I need to be putting my phone down. Or I need to be giving attention. Or I need to be engaging. Or maybe onto that list will go appreciation. I need to be appreciating people more. I need to do that. Or I need to just spend time with the people who are dear to me. I'm finding myself doing extra work or doing this, but I'm not spending the time. Or I need to be asking after people's well-being, but go deeper than I have to do because typically fine, doing fine is enough, but well, let me dig a little further. But if I'm going to do that, I have to be willing to reciprocate. And I'm going to say, well, I'm going to tell you more of what's going on in me as well. Or I mentioned this last week during What Are You Thinking? Apologize. I would be much healthier in my relationships if I would just apologize. And I got to work on that. How am I going to do that? Or I'm going to learn to resolve conflicts, uh, not just wait for those conflicts to evaporate away as they will do, but they don't ever truly evaporate. They just leave a little residue behind. Or I could do an act of kindness every day. Or I could learn someone else's language of love. And uh, once I learned that language, I could start speaking it because that's not how I would say love. But here's what I could do. And I could do that. Or I could talk about my feelings, especially if I'm a male American. I could talk about my feelings and do it on purpose. Or I could keep my promises. I could be very careful about how I make my promises, but once I make them, I could keep them. Now again, Google is your friend. You don't need me to give you ideas. There are more ideas than we can process two clicks away. So much material. But what we do is we expose ourselves. We listen for the interior nudges. Ah, this is for you. This is for now. And we prioritize them, which one will go first. And then we find the tiniest, tiniest way to do the first one and then do it again and do it again and do it again and do it again until it's now happening without us thinking about it. And we've got a backup plan for when, not if, but when we just stop doing it for no good reason. And that backup plan is we could decide in advance that we're not going to fall prey to all of those negative feelings that make us want to turn away and we're instead just going to get up and start again. And we're going to brush ourselves off and we're going to go again. So, do that. We do transform. Because healthy relationships are a technology of transformation. Now that's one way to do it. The tiny habits way. It's maybe the most accessible way because we are Americans and Americans are rugged individualists. That's the individualist way to do it. Again, might be the most accessible way to us, but it's not the best way. The best way to transform is to be transforming with other people. And for that, you people are lucky. <laughs> we have been working hard to rebuild religi religion. Yeah. And healthy religion should be a place that people can go to transform. 
And so for this one, this particular technology, building circles of healthy relationship, we have got gold, people, and we're ready to give it to you on a silver platter, a smorgasbord of riches. Early in our community's life, I read a book. I can't even remember the title of the book. I just know these four things stuck in my head. A healthy community will create four spaces for people to belong. We'll create public space where people can identify with an idea, identify with a culture, identify with a vibe. A healthy community will create places for people to belong at a social level where we get to do things with each other and enjoy being in the presence of one another. A healthy community will create places for personal belonging where we get to know about biographical information, we get to know about one another's lives, and we get to find out ways where we can connect with each other and a place that we could actually go to complain when things are going hard. And then we would create space for deep belonging. Uh, and deep belonging for us is a place where we can go and talk about the uh, intentionally the dark sides of our shadows the false self sides, the things that we dig to in on purpose. So that last one we do mostly with our Enneagram groups and our self-awareness groups. So we've done a lot of work together building these spaces for each other and making sure that they show up in our calendars, places where we can practice all four ways of belonging and in so doing build healthy circles of healthy relationship. And I'm going to zip through a few right here and I bet you'll be able to spot which of the four spaces this thing was designed for. In the last few years, here's some of the things that we've done. Uh, we're going to do Brew Crew tonight. Uh, we're going to we do Bunko once a month. We're going to today go to Yates Mill and go walking together. We do uh, every Palm Sunday a time for the parents to hang out, watch the kids go chase uh, Easter eggs. We're doing the annual picnic next week, a, a chance to bring some food to sit and chat and talk with people. Uh, we do Fat Sunday as we get close to Easter or go close to the beginning of Lent. We do life story groups where we sit and build trust and affection by sharing the stories of our lives one with another. We do a book club where we can practice learning things together and in so doing know some of the biographical information about one another, why this thing matters or doesn't matter. We've got uh, self-awareness practice with self-awareness drop-in groups followed by a self-awareness re retreat. We do the same with conflict. We've got Enneagram where we can learn about our own personalities so that we can share with other people and talk about their personalities. So. Lots of spaces for healthy religion to create spaces where, together, we can begin to integrate this technology of transformation. Groups and events, spaces that are designed to help one another do a tiny thing. And then do that tiny thing again and again and again and again. So I do hope you'll take advantage. Hope. Uh, that you will take advantage of gold on a silver platter, expose yourself to best practices, listen for the interior nudge, make a list, do a tiny thing, plan to forget. I sure hope you also will surround yourself with people who are on the journey of transformation as well, who are also trying to integrate healthy relationships into their lives. Amen. So in Dwelling Divine, uh, may we be transformed. Amen. Uh, let's see, we've already done the offering, so, uh, but hey, it can afford to be mentioned twice. Yeah, oh, Don't forget the offering. 
those of you who are online, we're going to do something a little different today. We're going to do uh, What Are You Thinking in person, where we're going to be talking about kind of the future of our community. Uh, but you can go over and, uh, by the way, Chris, you know who's leading today? Cindy. Uh, Cindy will be there. You guys can talk about the lesson together. Uh, uh, it'll be a good experience. We've worked really hard to make sure that you will feel welcomed and invited. So uh, if you go there, the, the way to get the link to the Zoom is on the YouTube notes. Uh, just click the one that says that or go to the front page of our website. When you get to the password part, the password is 1417. Okay, let's dismiss the folks online. If you would, put your hand on your heart and let's remember as we go that we are, every one of us, carriers of the indwelling divine. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, all that stuff that we mentioned that is the foundation of healthy relationships. It's in us because the light of the divine is in every one of us. And if you would extend your other hand to our city, let's look for opportunities to share what's already in us with the people that we live and work, the people we go to school with. And let's look this week for opportunities to repair and heal our worlds. Amen. God bless you online. Uh, you are dismissed. If these recordings help you move forward on your spiritual journey, we hope you'll take an ownership stake in the community and support the health and well-being of the community. Go to our website, commonthreadchurch.org. The donate button is right there on the top. Thank you.